to the Umbrella ecosystem. Walker Scott, congratulations, guys. Welcome. Um, you've made all the way from Wellington and Sydney to, to the winterless north in Auckland. Uh, it's great to have you here today. It'd be really good to you guys introduce yourselves and um, to our listeners and guys that tune in and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Okay, so I'm Blair Scott. I'm based uh, in Wellington, so I have uh, travelled up today. I've been involved um, with Walker Scott since its inception. We founded back in eight years ago now mm. and um and really that was around a phrase of making clever happen but yep. basically just um, unraveled it means getting stuff done yeah uh and that's really for us um was about just taking technology and in effect just getting getting projects done and it started with a key client um based out of australia um and then the business just grew and, and flourished yep. from and how long ago was that now that was eight years eight years ago yeah so what was the gap that Walker Scott were looking to fill when it came to creating the, the competency that you have on your across your your talent pool. Yeah, uh, um, I'm Paul Knox from Sydney, and, and I joined. I started in 2012. Um, we always thought there was a, a great market in around data and analytics, um, and that's probably where we started the business. We probably um, we like most young consultancies. We took a lot of different work on. Uh, we had a sort of diverse range of skills, so. We got asked to do a lot of different things and we tended to sort of chase a lot of different areas and it's probably in the last couple of years we've actually really focused on Microsoft yep. and um, really determined what we're really good at doing and where we can really add some value to the client. Mm. And certainly around um, a- analytics and applications like application development, we've um, got some excellent skills in that area and we can deliver great results to clients. So we really focus on those areas today. And it is a major challenge for small businesses when they start out. You know, eight years ago, I can, I can see, almost picture it now. Okay, we're going to do this thing. We found a gap, but we've got to keep the lights on. We've got to keep the paycheck. We've got to keep the cash flow positive. So there is an element of chasing. And then there is that maturity tipping point. I think a lot of businesses see it where, right, actually, no, to scale, we've got to really hit some focus. And you mentioned data and AI, and this has been probably the last two or three years, the main buzzwords to come out specifically of the Microsoft camp of advanced workloads, data analytics, cognitive services. Yeah, that's that's right. So we, what we're seeing in the market, I guess, is that BI fundamentally hasn't necessarily changed, but the tools we have available to us and the accessibility of those tools um, to use data smarter in organisations. Mm. And, it, and it's quite a, it's quite a, I don't like using the word easy, but it's probably a good area for organisations to test out their footprint um, if they're going cloud. Um, if, if there's any refactoring or, or lifting of workload into Azure in our case, yep. in Microsoft, then that's a really great place to start and work. So a lot of our projects, you know, like when we started, it was you know, it was all sort of on, on-prem SQL stack stuff. Mm. And whereas now we're seeing, you know, organisations are building, uh, we are leading with, with our Azure first builds yep. for their data estate, their data environment. Yep. And there's, and there's a huge amount of opportunity for organisations to start that migration process, you know, mm-hmm. li- lifting and moving key back office, you know, legacy apps and, and organisational business applications is quite a bit more complex. Yeah, sure. But, you know, lifting your data warehouse workloads, um, for example, is a, is a really good way to, to get that, that first step into. So talk cloud. me through that a little bit in terms of real life experience from a data footprint perspective and the ability to leverage your data for insights and all of the kind of the key outputs that you would look at from a BI program or a data insights platform, what does the reality look like for a lot of clients when you actually get into these organizations and actually getting data into a meaningful position where it's not disparate, it's not spread across multiple platforms to actually allow you to leverage that? I'm very much a realist when it comes to there is a marketing dream that's painted and then there is a reality of actually what it means to drive outputs for, 
for an organization. Talk me through that process, and so we can kind of get a real handle on what that what that means in a process to go through. Yeah, if you're um if you're in that space, you become a realist very quickly. So, you know, there's it's very rare that we walk into uh, any sort of you know small corporate to corporate size business there where their data is in a good state. You know, it's it's a long journey. Um, what we do really do have to do is. Start you have to really pull it down into a roadmap so you've got um, a path for them to probably get some some results that are good for business so they can you know sort of win some favour and get people on board with the process. But you certainly it is a long path to um, get good, clean data from you know all these di- disparate systems around the business and um, join them in in a mi- meaningful way to be able to, to drive the results you're after. So it's uh, you know I think some people. Um, get caught up in scoping and detailing and thinking they're going to get it right. You know, they're going to have this one project that's getting it right, which, you know, just virtually never happens. You know, it has to be that sort of journey that you're on that you have a, you know, small investment up front, but then you're sort of continually investing to yeah, get a result. It definitely doesn't feel like a project. It feels like an instantiation of a behaviour. And then it's an av- evolutionary continually going that the data is now the core of how we make make it so around here and make decisions. Yeah, it's, it's something you've got to drive. It's got to become a culture within the business and, and they yep. are constantly demanding more and more data because they don't make decisions without that data. Right. Yep. But on, on that basis then, um, all major programs that I've seen have, had, have witnessed, not just in, in the data platform, but in any form of lift and shift migration or any fundamental change inside a business, there is a always a barrier to change inside organizations, which culturally is uh, a challenge for some businesses and not, not for others. And we've worked heavily with um, a lady called Orin Shaw, who is a change specialist and DevOps culturalist. And her biggest thing is anytime you're inflicting change, it has to start with the culture of the business, business first. Is that a qualification kind of metric for you guys? Say, hey, look, we're going to come in and do some work, but your business isn't ready to, for us to actually be there yet. You've got to do something more fundamental before we actually can come in and be successful. It, it, it's a really interesting one. So <laughs> the, the people part of a, a data project of an asset. So quite often it's, you know, it's either a top-down push uh, or even when it's a, a bottom-up, we, we need to get access to data. We need to get, we have a specific need that we're uh, we're trying to solve, trying to get people to change behaviour. You know, trying to get people to, to to go back to understand the collection process of data. Entering it into a CRM is a good example. You know, the quality of that data is going to be critical to some some later outputs that you might want as an organisation, and and instilling all the way down, right down to you know every member of the the team or organisation has to be aware of that you know, of data and be a data steward, mm. own that data, understand why that data is valid. And then right up at the at the top level, your executive team, you know, they have to be the data champions. If they're not thinking this is an asset that I need to value in the business and, and own, um, you're really going to struggle to get that real value that, that data is going to bring. Mm. And is that a concept that's grasped by many business owners and C-suite executives of that looking at the intangible value of that data and realising that once collected once understood, once transitioned, and once insights are leveraged from it, that it holds business valuation metrics, tangibly have something that's got dollars associated with it, but just by getting your house in order. Is that a common kind of... Yeah, more and more. It's, yeah. it's taking a long... It's probably taking uh, certainly more time than we'd like, but, um, but it's taking longer than you would think. But there's certainly now a realisation that their, um, their data, and, and in some respect, they regard their data as their IP. You know, and they're sort of... There's a, they're getting more and more executives starting to see there's going to be some value if they can pull this data together. Traditionally, it's quite hard to break that. You know, some of the departments, you know, supply chain or finance will be trying to protect the data, so to protect their own roles and they'll just release what they want to release. <laughs> but you know, more and more we're finding now people are realising that data is a key asset of the business and it needs to be looked mm-hmm. after and, you know, and then continually worked on. 
What about the scenario, my brain's running right, this is a process I've been through personally. I can see the end state of it and it's a journey that we continue, we go on here with Umbrella, is to push and push and push for data as a central point of decision making. One thing we've found massively valuable is looking at data that we don't have and looking at how that enriches our current data. Talk me through like a use case of where you've seen data heavily enriched by just pulling in third-party data that exists. I've seen it all over in terms of open API data through weather and travel statistics and stuff. There'll be a lot of people listening to this that will be saying, hey, look, I've got data, but it's meaningless. And time and time again, I've seen examples of where it's meaningless on its own, but matched with other data, it's highly, highly valuable. Have you guys got any use cases where that's happened in real life? It's a really interesting area. So everybody talks about it and everybody wants to do it. Scenarios that we're coming across where people are still trying to get their own organisational data in order to understand it, to know what it is, to then know what we need to supplement that data to create a real asset or some real value. Convita is a really good example there. And there's some real thought leadership um, inside them as, a, as an organisation to better understand that. They've got a really challenging supply chain, um, actually bees, um, have to do all the work. And the weather's factors, and sure. you know, it's not just the weather in Auckland or Wellington, it's the weather in a valley in the back of the Waikato or in, up in Northland. So it's really localised weather. So they're doing lots of work at the moment, of which we're just one of you know ecosystem of people involved where they're doing sensors on hives you know, and, and trying to get that real-time information back out of there to assist the beekeepers to maximise yield, basically. So that's a really good example where there's this sort of all-in-one, I guess, unit um, that records weather and sunlight hours right. and wind and, and all the various factors that, that bees um, do and don't like. I guess that plays into another major buzzword, which is IoT mm. and the collection of future-looking data. Businesses have a very good way of, okay, we've got this thing we need to understand, this data asset, we need to understand what it is, but actually what data can I collect going forward? And IoT is playing a massive part in that. And um, we're not one for buzzwords here. We can try and unpack things that make them realistic. But your use case of Convita, having IoT devices on hives that do weather tracking, temperature monitoring, and yield production data collection, I imagine. That sounds like a hell of an asset to be driving your, your business forward with. Yeah, and look, that's a you know, Convita are doing some great things around that. You know, we just we we are the we get the data at the end of the process, um, yep. which is the exciting bit, and, and then doing the uh, I guess the the analytics or the science I guess on top of that to work out um, what it's telling us, and is it going to lead to real real benefit for the um, what well, the ultimate is to maximise yield. It's interesting, you know, on, on that theme, there's a real real aspect for organisations today. Everyone's got organisational data. Very few organisations are leveraging or using that organisational data to its true advantage, you know. No one does um, strong words. I haven't come across uh, any organisations in my travels that are using email analysis to do, you know, so, you know, so we've got email, fundamentally the largest tool, data uh, asset that most organisations have, no one's doing any sentiment analysis to see where there's friction in teams, where high-performing teams right. are working. So even within our own organisational data, I don't believe the maturity at a data point for the organisations in, in that medium-sized corporate space where yep. we tend to play, I, I really got that. Yeah, be a great indicator of like employee NPS and Absolutely. you know understanding who's really active and who's not active and yep. who's working with. And I know Microsoft have got a yeah. product that launched um it was probably when we were over in inspire actually that yeah. we saw the first cut of it um so for for everyone's benefit that the umbrella team and the walker scott team were over in inspire microsoft inspire last year and uh, there was a demonstration of the microsoft workplace analytics platform i actually thought it was a fantastic tool and it's leveraging the microsoft graph api which is a huge collection of data that allows for that kind of modeling of 
well, are meetings efficient and can you schedule things differently because you're always in the meeting with the same person and can you divide and conquer and all that kind of kind of stuff. The barrier to entry, though, was pretty significantly high. It was on an E5 license. You needed to employ Deloitte to come and deploy it. That was quite a barrier to en- entry. Yeah, correct. Totally. That, that yeah. product, I mean, potentially where that product's trying to go. And I think, you know, to some degree, Microsoft are trying to lead the market, you know, um, like we've seen in, in other areas, is that showcase some some aspects of it uh, and then, and then you know, enable the tools and That's the, right. and the, and the democratize it through everything else but yeah an, ama- yeah, an, an amazing demonstration of the of the tooling yeah um, but democratizing it is something that um, has to happen to make it relevant because i would actually love that insight in this organization and i think it's the case with also the work streams that you guys build your business on i mean i imagine the business intelligence and the tool suite and etl and just the data storage construct five years ago is totally different to what it is today yeah Following off that, I, I think team start is the same. Like, I think that's yep. a great, a great sort of pulse on a company. I mean, like, I think when culture's good and people are really working together efficiently, there's teams, there's lots of activity in it. You know, when you've got things broken down to different teams and different channels, it's very, yep. be very quick to find out where yep. a team's not functioning so well and a team suddenly goes quiet. And, yep. and you, you guys are leveraging drive. Microsoft Teams inside yeah, your yeah, organization? Yeah, yeah. We yeah, love, so we're so big we, fans of Teams. Yeah, so. we, went, we went with Teams a while back and, and, uh, and have subsequently quit it with, a, with some of our clients, even though we don't tend to play in that modern world workplace yep. space probably just advocates for the change the 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 big one that we found with teams is that it, it is that as paul said it's that you know that energy and and, um, and there's the social element and a very easy mechanism for people working together it's a natural way we haven't governed it too heavily but we've just put some some rules around it yeah the the, the drop in internal emails is fantastic and, yep. and, and that, that change in way of working and now for us that's now about going Okay, what about now? You're all of a sudden you're in documents. Okay, well, where does your document and information? Yeah, we're strategy? sort of ready for the next the next step. I think really, yeah, you know, in terms of integrating SharePoint and some of our document managers as well. So, yeah, and that's only because Teams has gone so well for us. So, you know, yeah. I'd, it'd be really hard to see, you know, where it wouldn't be successful in any business, to be honest. So, yeah, that whole internal, you know, internal emails bouncing around and you know one stint as a CIO and, and it's just a horrible culture. I think everybody knows that. So And just for me, it's starting to unify the messaging of which Microsoft are pushing really hard about unifying your data assets. So whether you view them as a data asset or whether you view them as just a tooling to operate your business. If you, if you genuinely look at the data you're generating in Teams, Outlook, across the Office 365 suite, and then your applications that are on an Office 365 integrated common data platform. It's because Azure and 365 effectively is the same common data platform. That then allows you to purely leverage insights. It's almost getting data assets by stealth by having so much inside of inside of 365. And Azure is now becoming so commoditized in terms of its ability to deploy and migrate applications. It's making, I think, our jobs easier in terms of how to leverage the insights quicker, which is ultimately what the customers want. Because oh, it's no, no longer it's a $2 million project to come in and run a BI installation. It's actually no other data is there. We've commoditized the tools, and it's actually more of a behavioral process and a business logic than, than actually the technology driving the cost as opposed to the... Um, the build of the technology because the technology already exists. Mm. Yeah, correct. Look, there's an interesting thread there around um, the, the the roles of people within an organisation and how people engage. Like as more and more gets commoditized or um, and and Microsoft in effect uh, attempt to remove those barriers. It's it's what role, how you structure your people and your roles and how you train and and what skill sets you're going to need around data is, is a really interesting area. Yeah. Um, we're seeing lots of um, we're you know. Where I think in the past consultants have come in and done projects that will sort of go away, but consultancies will advise and and guide and um, supplement internal teams um, to get the outcome. 
um, is, is very much something that there's obviously a lot of training going on. We're seeing all the, the popularity of the dashboard in a day, dev in yep. a day, yep. you know, uh, app in a day type yep. stuff yep. is amazing. Um, yep. as, as key Citizen developers. Yeah, yep. that's right. And, and across the board of people just being able to do more. Now, there, yep. there is a threshold there, I think, for organizations and, and the C-suite need to understand that they can't just because it's much easier that the entry level, you know, like Excel as an example, we can, we can all use Excel, everybody knows how to use it. Everybody can kind of plug in Power BI and do something, but as an organizational deployment, as a governed solution, as, you know, as data that I can, you know, single source of truth rather. And, tr and trust on the basis that if it's done correctly, it can fundamentally skew your decision making. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And, and you need to get on that early. That, that's probably the key learning is getting that governance set up. I think a lot of people have jumped into Power BI because it is so easy. Um, but there, there are some. There's still some disciplines that need to be put in place in the business. People need to be trained and taken on that yep. that journey. So, yep. so for everyone that's listening to this, and there'll be some people that have got high amounts of experience in this kind of program because they've deployed it inside their organisations, and there'll be some that know they've got in, intangible assets in their data, um, but they want to get started. What would the one key piece of advice to anyone listening that goes, "Hey, look, actually, I want to start this and tackle this now. Where, where would the best place to be?" To begin, other than going to your website and calling, which one would be the <laughs> probably the best place to start? Look, I think you know, like it's always if they haven't have done nothing, they've got a lot of work to do. They're a long way behind, I think, at the moment. So they've, you know, I'm hoping that they've got a reasonable data warehouse. Um, I think the you just mentioned like you know Microsoft commoditizing and some you know around the Azure services and things like that, and I think that's given people a great opportunity because most of the AI stuff, I think, fundamentally, it's a bit of a leap of faith. You have to bite off a little bit of budget or whatever it is because most people, uh, they don't know the results they're going to get. They're sort of not really, they don't know, they don't really have a target. They just want to sort of get more data, get more results out of the data they've got. So you could easily have a you know machine learning um, project that may not actually give you anything that's more meaningful than what you already know. I think the uh, with all this, you need really good underlying data and then, you, as I say, you need to bite off a small project and then get started. Yep. Yep. And I think just don't overthink it, get started small amount and then you can move on and you'll you'll learn and go from there yeah what we've seen a little bit of is is that idea of taking the um the organizational strategy business strategy or where you're going as an organization and then and then flipping that a little bit to make sure that um it's not technology just enabling that business strategy it's actually right. data leading the business strategy right. and, and realizing that it is there's opportunities within that at that that high level, yep. and then and then flowing down from there into okay, what does a roadmap look like? How are we going to bite this off? Because as Paul says, if you if you're kind of starting with nothing, you've just got two or three source systems that talk to each other, and you kind of your data's scattered. Uh, you you do need to start thinking about how we're going to how you're going to aggregate that, bring that together. Um, but that's got to be in line with a plan. That's got to be in line with yep. the business strategy, delivering to some outcomes that we might have. But yeah, we use that phrase of you know IT is no longer a department, right? It's a fabric. It's infused. It's got to be, got to be everywhere. Data is much the same, and, and I think what we're seeing is CEOs are pulling data out from underneath the sort of hidden away under a, in an op plan or yeah um, under under a, under the IT team. And, and data is getting its own yeah. Own no, I'd, space I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Totally understand the challenge. Um, the decision makers and the execs out there. It's a double-edged sword and it's the chicken and the egg scenario. Well, and we don't know what problem we're trying to solve with the big buzzwords. So I need to know more data about my data. I need to get insights into it. And then the question comes, well, actually, what are we trying to solve with the data? And how does that align to where we're at? But just to give you the way I've managed to process this in my mind is that the business exists regardless of the data, right? We're gonna, we've got a mission statement. We're going to go forward. What questions would I be asking of my staff that were going to be driven by data? And what I mean by that is, we're running a call center and we've got 20,000 contacts a month, just understanding what, where the highest call volume is coming from. 
at what time of the day, or whether it's peaking at summer or winter, then I can start to make meaningful decisions about how I resource my staff. And then on that basis, I can look at what could be automated and what can't. It's not around the big buzzwords, but it's around how do I answer those questions that allow me to actually just streamline my operation? Because ultimately, it's all working toward the KPI of reduce costs and maximize customer satisfaction. That's not around any of the buzzwords. It's just I can't make those KPIs go up or down if I'm not doing something. And to do something, I need to act. And to act, I need an insight. So I'm constantly trying to go back to the why we're trying to do all of these things. Because if you want to go do a BI project, well, why? What are we What are we trying to do? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that, that sums it up really well. So it's, it's, it is that aspect of the organization has data and they have reporting. It, it really comes down to the effectiveness and efficiency of that ability to get that information. So we talk about you know, the right information to the right people at the right time. Um, so it's, it's every, you know, mo most CEs get, or, you know, anyone in the C-suite or even management will get the information they want somehow. They just, they don't know that there's eight people spinning their wheels for 10 yep. days to That's get that financial yep. set of reports. So it's kind of, how do we, how do we get the efficiency? Because, you know, in effect, we want to increase efficiency, i.e. drive down cost, cost per transaction, or ultimately it's how's it going to improve customer, the customer experience, which will hopefully drive more revenue exactly yeah. um so w it, it, somewhere in there you're trying to the, the bi project is trying to um deliver on that and then if you stretch that a little bit further you know bi before ai you've got to have your data mm -hmm. you've got to have your, your, your everything your house has got to be in order before you can start doing the cool stuff and and, and that's really then about automation and um and prediction and, and really that forward looking um view of the world but you know we're still all of uh, all of us, and we're probably you know, three of us sitting here probably will think the same in our own businesses. There's still a lot which is just about getting your organisational data in order. Because what what we see, and this is you know, a key learning for everyone and anyone going into a, a data project, is that you ultimately are going to find problems with your underlying system. Yeah. And as the the data and BI team, we we don't control those underlying source systems. We so therefore now you've got to make some recommendations about how they're changing your underlying system. And probably the, you know, the, the at what we've got the BI team, we, we sort of make sure our BI people know core ERP because if you don't know yep. that, you you can't see the opportunities that flow out of that. Just being sort of a, a, a BI person that's who's just expecting to do something with data, yeah, 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 it's just yeah, a continuation yeah. of that transaction. Yeah. Yep. And the other exciting thing we're sort of seeing is that you know is that sort of inline analytics work where I don't want BI to be a separate solution. I want some intelligent insight at the time I need it during my transaction. So yeah, if yeah, I'm yeah. processing something um, you know, in my core system, whatever system that might be, I want that insight and intelligence at that point. I don't want to be reflecting on it at all afterwards. So you can see the challenge now, right? The fact is that you'll, you'll come in with a certain mandate and a certain view. And I'm, make, I'm making sweeping statements because it's, you guys will have pure insight into this. And then you quickly get into actually its operational recommendation because to succeed, you've got to make operational change, almost organizational change, to not have this as a project, but have it as an own entity. Mm. We treat data here like, a, like a, an employee. It's got a KPI. It gets reviewed all the time. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it getting any better? We never give it a holiday, though. Did you name but it? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, no, I, no. I think the, um, the other thing Blair mentioned a minute ago is the, um, you know, the, the mantra that our analytics team live by is that the right data at the right time, place and at the right time. And like we just said, you know, just before we started this, look, the businesses are racing these days. You come back on the 7th of January and, you know, people are running from that point. So yep. 
the time to get that data, you know, it wasn't that long ago you could deliver month-end reports a couple of weeks after the month and everybody was happy and now now they're sort of demanding them within, you know, a couple of days of the end of the month. What do you want it mid-month? That's where the nirvana is, the, yeah, where's correct. my business at now? You're getting, and then you're projecting to the end of the month and things like that. So, so yep. that's, the, that's the constant challenge as well, that just that increased pace of actually getting this data to people. Yeah. Guys, this is a f- fascinating subject. I think w- one that you can unpack for hours and hours and hours and days and days and days. Fortunately, we haven't got hours and hours and days and days, but I think it would be great. It's been great having you guys in. Thank you very much for your time to come in to see us. For all of you listening, uh, if you're interested in engaging with the Walker Scott guys, go to umbrella.com. They're listed on our partner directory there. Um, fa- fascinating topic. I'm sure we'll get a chance to speak more again about this. So um, thank you very much. Any closing closing comments from you boys? No, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you.